Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What's good, everybody? It is our favorite time of the year here at the Black Effect. We're heading down to Atlanta for the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival. And we're not going alone. Nissan is back as our partner, and they're continuing their Pitch Your Podcast Lounge at the festival, where you'll have the opportunity to pitch your podcast idea live and share it with the Black Effect team. So get those podcast ideas ready. And remember, you can count on Nissan to dial up the thrill in your adventures, no matter where life takes you. Visit blackeffect.com slash podcast festival for more details with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yep, yep, get old boys is back and reloaded. All in your mind. Yeah, now deep throated. This is for the streets, the real, the railroaded. The disenfranchised, the truth, the scapegoated. And they know it. We speak the truth so they quote it. Because we wrote it. The North, South, the East Coast is the GB knocking. We keeping your head bobbing. It ain't no stopping. And once the beat drops in, violins, the system is so corrupt. They throw the rock out their hands and then blame it on us. It's GB, don't get it twisted. On code and we ain't dancing for no buttermilk biscuits. It's Willie D, y'all. Scarface is in the building. Collectively, we are the Ghetto Boys. Reloaded. Reloaded with another episode of information and instructions to help you navigate through this wild, crazy, beautiful world. In the studio, the first lady of no limit, Mia X. Man. (laughs) Hold up. Welcome to the show. How y'all doing? Mia X. But Mia's still looking good. I'm talking about looking good, good. She about 60. How do you do it? 70. How do you? <laughs> <laughs> look like a little bit of kids sitting over there. How do you do it, Mia? Your, your mama look like that? She did. She oh, really, oh, my. She, she really oh, my. did. My grandmother did, too. Okay, right. Yeah, got them good jeans, huh? I think yeah. so. I hope yeah. so. Yeah, man. So... Man, I mean, how, how, but how is your health? Speaking of good genes, how is your health? You know, I am taking one day at a time. And if uh, the Lord says the same, I will be cancer free five years, March 23rd. So, but, um, you know, after you're ill, it seems like the body really fights hard to heal itself. And you have other complications, you know, you have phantom pains. Um, Explain that. So I had, uh, I had to get surgery, a complete hysterectomy. Sometimes my stomach feels like everything is still there. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Uh, And I have, I have like, uh, it's like 
pocket masks. They are benign, but they hurt my legs sometimes and make me feel like I'm walking with leg weights. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I still like battle fatigue. So I Good. deal with a lot of things that uh, sometimes your doctor tell you it's not there, it's in your mind, but your body tells you something else. Right. And so um, I'm not complaining, but I will say for anyone that has ever battled cancer or had any type of serious illness, you understand what I'm saying about the phantom pain and how the body uh, takes time to make you feel whole again. It's steadily working trying to restore itself and deal with the things that you've lost. My kidney transplant. Exactly. Is, is, is in th- Those effects are similar because I wake up feeling pain right where the kidney is. Like, oh, shit, ah. Uh. Yeah. Exactly. And, 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 and uh, when your body fighting off, it fought, it fought off this kidney. So my kidney went into rejection. Wow. You know, early in, early in, uh, after the transplant, like a week later, it went I into remember rejection. That. Yeah. And um, that was my but body. But you were saying that was natural. That's a natural. I mean, it's a natural thing that your body going to fight off any uh, foreign, uh, objects. foreign objects or foreign uh, whatever in your body. So that's what it did. It was like, he must have been throwing up the wrong gang signs. My body was like, <laughs> who man's is this? We know them two niggas back there, but you you knew. Exactly. They, they hit it and knocked it out and I had to go back in the hospital again. I never really talked much about it, but yeah, I had a I had a um rejection in the begin in the early stages after the transplant. Mia, how do you keep it together? You know, you, you do a lot of things. You still I know you did your cookbook book back in two thousand eighteen, right? Yes. And and how's that going? It's going really well. Um it was a bestseller uh two years straight at Essence Fest because that's where I launched it. I sell most of my stuff online, um, but it's still doing really well. And now I have a seasoning. <laughs> and, <What>? um, and <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. Uh, Let me see. It's all good. And I'm working on... Um, Mama Mia's. Oh, that's yeah, dope. it's a low-sodium, all-purpose seasoning. E- even doper. She said yes. I can put it on my cereal. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you got your picture on it. Look at Mia. Yeah. I told her she looked like Well, you grandma. know, Sylvia inspired me. Sylvia's of Harlem inspired me. Okay. And, and I remember being a kid in the grocery store and seeing See all of the labels... And then I saw this black woman, and she had hot sauce and greens and things. And I was like, I really want to be her. Food yeah. has been a passion for me. I've been in the kitchen with my grandmother since 75. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, why did my label like that? This is dope. This is dope. You know, a lot of food success and failure comes down to packaging. Yes. What that label looks like. And this looks like money. Thank you. So, beautiful, beautiful. So I, I know this is Brad's uh, sample, but I'll take this and you can give Brad another one. Um. Because Brad had his <laughs> a, a long time ago. He didn't even tell me about the season. I knew he was an expert in the culinary arts department. Willie is a and, thug. And He's an expert in the thug people. department. He's a thug <laughs> in this shit. Look at this guy. <laughs> this guy. 
Yeah, me yeah. can cook, Willie. Like for real, like and dead I ass serious. Really, and I really, really good. Food and stuff online. I'd be like, man, that look good. I, I want to eat some of Mia's cooking. You gotta come to New Orleans. I gotta come to. Did you cook <laughs> while you was in Houston? No, I didn't get a chance this time because we were pressed for time with the concert. Right. So, but usually when I'm in Houston, I cook. Right. And, and the concert. It... Concert was so fun. So fun. Yeah, Houston, Houston got to be yeah. y'all biggest market. Well, at least one it's, of them. It's one of them, yeah, most definitely. Sure. I feel a love every time I'm in Houston. Yeah. Like, every time. And yeah. that's been since before No Limit. Houston showed me love when I put my first record out 30 years ago. So, oh, you know. Man, you I, don't look 30 years old, girl. You just said I look like us. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I said you look like a nigga grandma on that package. But I am a nigga grandma. That's the cool part. <laughs> so it's right in line so with me. So let me in on a little secret, Willie. So mm-hmm. me and me get on the phone, bro, and we talk and crack the fuck up all day long, bro. All day. She is the funniest person I know. Yeah. For real. She is super funny. How do you keep it in? Because I've never seen this, this funny side. Because it comes out at times, and it's because I'm not trying to be. People mm-hmm. just laugh, and sometimes I wonder, wait, that wasn't supposed to be funny. Right. But um, it just comes out. My grandmother was like that. You know, she was the inspiration behind the cookbook. You see all of those quotes. Right. That's the way she spoke. And um, I just think I have that from her. Yeah. Your grandma was a gangster. Yeah, really. A real, real, a for real gangster. A real gangster. Yeah, for real. Was she from the Seven Wall? Oh, they, I see. That's right. <laughs> yeah. From the Seven Wall. <laughs> yeah. Now, how was it growing up in the seventh ward? Did you grow up with your grandmother or what? Yes, I did grow up with my grandmother. Um, I was supposed to be born in Dallas. Okay. Uh, my dad was from Dallas. What he did, when my mom was six months pregnant, he got another girl pregnant. Oh, yeah. So um, I have a sister, my Irish twin. <laughs> she, uh, she's six months younger than me. But my grandmother came to Dallas and snatched my mama up, made her come back to New Orleans. You, you, she was in college in Dallas. You're going to finish school in New Orleans. You coming home. So I was born in New Orleans, brought home from the hospital to my grandmother and grandfather's home because they brought my mom back home mm-hmm. and um, grew up with my grandmother. I I grew up with my grandmother. She was a, a strong woman, and um, she wanted to make sure that my mom still finished school and did the things that she aspired to do, as well as mend her broken heart, you know. And so, yeah, I was with my grandmother, and the Seven Ward was beautiful. The Seven Ward was a place of community. We all looked out for each other. Right. We shared everything. You know, food. Sometimes people was poor and things happen, lose their lights. We sharing that orange and stencil cord. Do what? So, you know, like sometimes <laughs> when, when a person's lights get cut off, your neighbor, everybody had these thick orange extension cords. You could put it through your no, window. Orange. Well, orange, how y'all Define say. Define the word. Orange. So, <laughs> Orange. I love the color orange, and orange. I love to eat oranges. Yeah, that's, that's using it in the sentence, boy. That's perfect. Okay, go ahead. But, you know, they would take the extension cord, and you stick it from your window. 
to your neighbor window and they can plug it in and use like some of your lights. Yeah. They did that kind of stuff in the seventh ward. They shared food. So they did it in the fifth ward too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you know that sense of community. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the seventh ward, we definitely had a strong sense of community. You know, we really, the village was intact. Mm-hmm. What happened, Mia? So I'm going to say like. um, Crack happened. Yeah, like around 83, I began to see the shift in not just my community, but just all around. Ninth ward, sixth ward, fourth ward, fifth ward. I started seeing the change. Um. And it was crack. Uh, a lot of my friends' parents got on crack, and um, crack killed a lot of the the sense of responsibility for our adults. Mm-hmm. So uh, never heard it quite put. Yeah, like that, because you yeah, know, crack right. became the central yeah. thing. Like, I'm not gonna wash my babies. I'm not gonna feed my babies. I'm not gonna pay my bills because I want to rock. And I'm and protect my babies. Yeah. All of those Educate things. Educate my babies. Yes. Yeah. That happened. And I, I saw it around uh, 83. And then it got progressively worse. And then uh, young people, including myself, you know, we, we were faced with positions like, to be in positions like, if you can't beat them, join them. And so there, you know, when we was 13, seeing it happen, by the time we was 15, 16, a lot of us became the hustlers, the dealers, and it just kept going and going and going. But many kids were faced with two parents in the house that were on crack and they didn't have anything. Mm. And so they jumped off the porch and jumped into the game. And from there, the feelings that we had for each other began to change. Oh, you know, man. Good we, 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 stopped, we stopped caring. You know, yeah. once upon a time, nobody would sell nobody, mama, nothing that yeah. would poison their spirits, their bodies and minds. But then it got to a point where um, everybody was just trying to get by. And I don't think we realized. Yeah, because uh, they're getting it from somewhere else. Yeah. Might as well be the one to give it to them. And that's what started happening. Yeah. That's the rule. Damn. Uh, did it affect any anybody in your immediate family? Yeah, because um, so like one of my cousins came, told my mom, my dad was always hardworking, and one of my cousins told my mom, um, this is what's going on with your husband because certain things started to slip with us, you know, and um, then my daddy said that he had crunched up the rock in his weed. Called Primo. Yeah. That's uh, a, uh, that's a primo. We used to say geeks. But um, he had lost his job. And at that point, I went to my cousin. I had $400. Mm-hmm. And I said, um, well, I need you to teach me how to hustle because I got to help my mama. Mm. And um, one of my neighbors... She was like 17 years older than me. She used to take me in a bar room when I was young, but she never did anything wrong. You know, I used to like to drink beer and I was a bar room baby. She went and told my mama because she had a habit. She told my mom, she said, listen, you got to get on Mia. Mia needs to do her music and Mia sold me some drugs. Uh-uh. So when I hit the door, 
my mama like flashed out because that was never her, you know. My mom was like, what's this I hear you selling somebody something, you know, and um, that's not for you. That's not who we are. You can't poison our people, you know. My mom was was really into us as a people, the community. Mm. And she was so mad with me. And I was so hurt that I had disappointed her because of the way we were raised. And then my dad was so messed up that my mama told him this is what's going on with her. I saw him change. My dad was the type of dude, if something hit him, Hard enough, he just didn't do it. One time he was smoking cigarettes and he he set the mattress on fire. He quit. So when he saw that, uh, I was going to jump into this game after all of the value that they had poured in me. He was like, nah, I messed this whole thing up. And then he got back on track. But for a lot of my friends, you know, we just kind of kept on in this game in this game, in this trap that was placed in our community. When you say your dad got back on track, he got off track when he got into the drug game? Well, he got off track when he started smoking geeks because he... Geeks. Yeah. He he wasn't doing what he was supposed to as far as the family, you know. He um, shut it down when he saw it. He shut it down immediately because he didn't want me to be in the game. He knew what that led to. Is your dad still alive? No. Uh, my dad died five months after my mom. Man, you sound like you had some good people. I really did. Man. Yeah. I had some really, really good people. Mm. They were honest about everything they did. You know, my mom, my dad, my grandmother, my grandfather, they never cut any corners with me. So we didn't live in a fantasy world. Whatever, whatever happened, whatever went down, they brought it to us. They explained it to us. The lines of communication was always open, and that was for good and bad stuff. Uh-huh. Hey, speak more about your father because, <clears throat> you know, biological. We, we, we talk about, yeah, what's this? So, no. So, um, my biological father died when I was six years old. And, and, um, you have memory of him? Yes. I have memory of him as a provider because he was in California. Actually, he became a concert promoter in the late 60s. And he he promoted shows Gladys Knight, like everybody. And then he jumped into the rock side. And so he began promoting concerts like for Chicago, Fleetwood Mac. He lived in California. He was getting that real Yeah, money. he really was. Yeah. But he he ran with the rock stars and partied like a rock star. And his mom actually, uh, she lied and told me that he died from a brain aneurysm. But it wasn't until right before my mom died, she connected me and my sister, my sister Mick. And um, Mick told me that our daddy died of a heroin overdose. Wow. All my life, I would think when I was a little girl and catch headaches, like, I don't want to have an aneurysm, thinking about my dad. So when I sat down with my sister, I'm like, so do you get headaches? And she was like, not really. And I was like, because I do, and I, I hope I don't get an aneurysm like daddy. She said, well, daddy didn't have an aneurysm. Daddy died of a heroin overdose. So then I go back to my mama, and I say, mama, Grandma T told me my daddy had an aneurysm. You let her tell me that, but 
Mickey said he died from a heroin overdose. Then my mom broke the whole story down to me because I had no clue that me and Mickey was even the same age. My grandma T told me when I was uh, six that Mickey was three, (laughs) but Mickey was six right with me. So um, my mom met who I call my daddy because this man, when she met him, he didn't have any kids. And then they had my sister, Dr. Ashley. But from day one, he really, really loved me as his own and 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 treated me like I was a part of what him and my mother was building. Hmm. He was a good dude. He was a real, real, real good dude. And he dedicated his life to us. So you and Mickey have the same... Biological dad. Biological dad. Me and Dr. Ashley have the same mom. Okay. But you, the whole time, you thought that you and Mickey had the same mom and dad? No. I always knew that I had a half-sister. I just didn't know how many years older than her I was. Right. And I didn't know much about her because they would just say, oh, you know you have a sister because I was the no- an so only child. So you met her how long later in life? So in 1999, like about two weeks before my mom died, someone rang my doorbell. My mom said, go open the door for your sister. So I was like, she got a key. And so my mom was like, go open the door. But when I looked on my camera, I saw these two people standing at the door. And I was like, that's not Ashley. Mm -hmm. When I opened the door, I saw my face. I was like, it's all my life. (laughs) My family, they would say, Mia, you don't look nothing like your mama. Who you look like, you know? So I saw my face. And so she was like, hi, I'm Mickey. I knew I had a sister named Mickey. So instantly that connection was like on point. But I think before my mom died, she wanted me to know my sister and know my blood in Dallas because I really didn't know them. So my mom actually put us together. And um, I mean, me and Mickey, we've been we've been tight ever since. And I'm grateful my mom did that. Oh. Did your mom ever have any hangups about Mickey or with Mickey? I mean, I'm sure she had a hangup with your dad, but uh, because he stepped out, right, to have her, right? Yes. Okay, so did she ever resent Mickey because of that? Never. Matter of fact, she was always telling me when I was a little girl, well, you have a sister, because being an only child, um, when my cousins would go home, I would be lonely, and I would always wish I had a brother or a sister to be in the house and play with me. And she would say, well, you have a sister, but she lives in Dallas. She never felt any way, from what I could see, towards Mickey or her mom, because that was a choice that my dad made, hmm. you know? So uh, there was never any anim- any animosity that I could see because she's the one that put us together. Me and Mick wouldn't even be the way we are now had my mom not found her, reached out and said, hey, when you come to New Orleans, you need to see me. Your mom found her. Man, yeah. your mom, man. Yeah. Man. She was a special, 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 uh, you know, and I'm not saying that because she's my mom or because she's gone just as a human being. Yeah. She was A1. And um, I found out a lot of things, like why we ended up coming back to my grandmother's house. That was very devastating to my mom, what happened with 
my dad stepping out like that because he was really like her first boyfriend. And um, I found out that her blood pressure was so high, she had a nervous breakdown when she gave birth to me. She had to stay in the hospital for two weeks, and I came home with my grandparents. Um, They hid a lot of that from me until I was grown. I never knew how it had affected her, you know, (laughs) and it affected her to the point where I remember she used to always say, I don't want any more children. But then she met my daddy and they got married and they had my sister, you know. So, yeah, uh, it it was rough for her, I can imagine, you know. How was it for you? And And did it have any effect on your choice of men and how you viewed men? in terms of uh, fidelity? You know, what affects me now, because as a child, I didn't really know much about it. You know, it was it was one of those secrets they kept from me until I grew up. But when I found out everything and I was able to process things, it made a lot of sense. Now, as far as um, men stepping out, I think I I chose older men, so um, quite naturally, they would step out, but I wouldn't know. Um, And then my— I thought you were going to say quite naturally, they probably got it behind them already, because most—a lot of times women say they choose older men because they got all the horn behind them. Well, that wasn't the case for me, because I was a young girl— and guys were older, but they wasn't older in a sense where that maturity kicks in. They were still in that playful stage, but they were older than me. Okay, I got you. Um, right. My grandmother, she used to say, well, you know, if you get them while creeping, expect to lose them to a creeper. Huh. So it made me not want um, the next girl's man while she had her man. Okay. But at the same time... um. The experience that I found out my mom went through and processing that and then being a rap artist and traveling with guys, I got a chance to see, uh, my grandma used to say, uh, a man will bring his dick many places, but uh, he can keep his heart in only one. So I started to process like, okay, some guys are just frisky and they are, you know, yeah, they frisky and they be all over the place. And you have to find your comfort in your relationship. Because I've had guys step out and sometimes that was deal breakers and sometimes it wasn't. You know, like for instance, when I was sick, I knew that physically I wasn't in a position to uh, be with a man in a way that he, you know, intimately. And so I had to process that if you're with someone they might step out during this battle, but it's gonna come down to how much they are there for me. Because Where his pussy, heart is. yeah, pussy dick shit really ain't. That's not a, a a big old thing with me more than that honesty and that communication. So, um, I'm probably one of the girls that's a little different. Um, when we talk about the situation, if it's stepping out and, and if it's some things I can understand and he can understand, it's not necessarily a deal breaker. You know, my grandmother used to always tell me, you got to be clear on your hell 
yes, and your fuck knows. Uh, so, yeah, what was your grandmother's name? Her name was Viola. Viola. <laughs> Big Vi. But I knew it was an old school name. <laughs> yeah. I knew it was like uh, yeah. Mama Dear, Ber- Bertha, Ernestine or something. Yeah, so I don't usually step in and tell people like how to run their relationship yeah. if your man is doing this or if your woman is doing that. But I do say you got to be clear on your hell yes and your fuck knows. Mm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Walbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, everyone. I am so excited. The Black Effect is live. This April 27th, the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival is headed to Atlanta's very own Pullman Yards. Last year was incredible, and this year will be even more thrilling, especially with Nissan coming back along for the ride. Nissan is returning with some empowering activations to support Black excellence in the STEAM fields. Have a podcast idea you've been eager to share with the culture? Well, Nissan is back with a Pitch Your Podcast Lounge. You'll have the chance to record your podcast idea and have it shared with the Black Effect Podcast Network team. But that's not all. Nissan is taking the stage to spotlight some of the HBCU scholars from their own Thrill of Possibility Summit, Nissan's action-packed weekend of community building, mentorship, and professional development for HBCU scholars pursuing professions in STEAM. The Black Effect Podcast Festival is the event to be at. You won't want to miss this because no matter where life takes you, Nissan will dial up the thrill of your adventures. Visit blackeffect.com forward slash podcast festival for more details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, you spoke about being the only woman out on tour with a bunch of guys. How was that just being around that whole No Limit family, you being the first lady of No Limit? It, you know, that was a great experience. Um, it was a blessing that I was around a lot of guys that loved their mamas, loved their sisters, loved the women in their families. They were always protective and always respectful. And I gained brothers. Some of them I look at like sons. Some of them I look at like nephews. But I I gained a real sense of family. 
And still to this day, like uh, when I first linked up with P, it was 94. So now we in 2021. Still to this day, those guys that are a part of that organization still treat me like family, still have the utmost respect. And coming together for the tour, you know, a lot of us hadn't seen each other in years. But we immediately click-clacked, immediately. You know, some of us are just going to be that. Do you still communicate with P? You know, when I see him on tour, but we really don't communicate the way we did in the 90s because I was a part of the label and I was there and um, there to give him a lot of input and ideas to match his hustle so that we could make No Limit be what it was. But uh, P's like a California guy. He's been in California a long time. I'm a New Orleans girl. And um, when I left the label, we didn't communicate a lot. When I see him, you know how some people just, they're going to be your family regardless. So when I see him, it's always family, but we don't communicate the way we used to. Mm. When you were on No Limit and you had to go in that studio, you guys were... And y'all had to be the most prolific label in the history of labels. I mean, the way y'all was putting those records out back to back to back to back, it seemed like every two weeks there was a new artist dropping on No Limit, and everybody was stars. Everybody was a star on No Limit. Everybody. Everybody was a star. So when you go in the studio, y'all were helping each other out with y'all projects, everybody jumping on everybody's records and stuff like that. Did you did you ever feel any type of pressure or did you ever feel like you had anything to prove you going you getting on these records with all these guys? It wasn't so much that I felt like I had something to prove, but I definitely wanted to make a statement for the ladies. I wanted to make the women proud every time I picked up my pen. I wanted them to know that whatever the subject matter was, however the beat was, I was going to ride it and I was going to run it. So that's what it was for me. I wanted to give the ladies, especially heavy set women, because you know, I came in the game with two stomachs. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know? I'll drink to that. <laughs> me too, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I came in the game and I wasn't really like the, the prototype for what, what the industry was pushing out. Yeah. So it was important for me. To let people know big girls look good, smell good, we ride good, we live good, our hearts are pure, and stop just thinking because we don't fit a certain mold that we need to be looked over. And then as far as talent, as an MC, I jumped in this game in 84. I wanted people to know that I was an MC. That more than anything. And that's still the way I feel to this day, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I want you to not just look, oh, Mia X was from the South, because they do that to Southern artists all the time. You know, oh, yeah, she's good for the South. I know I wanted them to know that I was good. And if you put me up against anybody on any coast that you think was good, I'm going to show you how good I am. That was my whole thing, the, my whole motivation at No Limit. Um jumping on each other's projects. I mean, we did that to make sure that we could push the records out. A lot of people had deadlines. They wanted to make their deadlines. Me, for Mama Drama, I had to write 16 of the 20 records in 10 days because I wanted to come out when I was supposed to come out, but we were shooting movies, 
And, you know, I kind of got behind track and people's like, well, if you want to drop, you're going to have to hurry up and go finish your record. I jumped on that red eye and went finish my record, you know. Where was you recording at? Um, so we had our own studio in Louisiana, but then um, we were in California going to a few studios. We did you a, lived in California? Yes. I lived in California um, in 95. I moved to California in 95 because P&M was still in the Bay. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much where the label was. So I left New Orleans and went to California. California? You know, I do. It was the best weather. All, all year round. The biggest, prettiest flowers. It's like the flowers, the lemons, the oranges, everything oranges. just looked big. The grass looked green. It was really nice. And you could be in a hood where some real, real gangster shit is going on with the flowers. Everything is so pretty. But <laughs> I don't live in New Orleans. New Orleans live in me. So oh. I have to always come back home no matter where I live. I've enjoyed many places in California as one. Burrow you some chicken. Burrow me some chicken. Burrow <laughs> me some seafood. Burrow. Yay. When you were coming up rapping, did you hone your skills uh, via talent shows and competitions? Or did you kind of like get thrust right into it? Nah, I was at every talent show. Um, and we were part of a group, me and Manny Fresh, called uh, New York Incorporated. Uh, so we got the opportunity to give dances and be the DJ crew. So a lot of times when, remember when we were young, we used to really have teen dances and places to go to as teenagers to enjoy the music. We will always be one of the DJ crews. When the Superdome started opening up and allowing a dance space for teenagers, we were one of the DJ crews. And then we had a a man named Mr. Eli. He was like the concert promoter for rap. So he did all of the rap attack concerts. We were blessed to be young kids opening up for all of the acts as they would drop. So Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick, uh, we was opening up for them. The first rap attack had LL, Kumo D, Jazzy Jeff, and the Fresh Prince, Jekyll and Hyde. We got a chance to taste the big stage when we were young. Mm-hmm. Manny Fresh, daddy was a DJ, right? Yes. And he rode around in a truck. Yes. He told me that story. Yes. Yeah, Manny so. Fresh, daddy had, uh, he could ride around. He was like one of the first mobile DJs, but then he was a staple in a lot of the New Orleans ballrooms. So, um... I didn't get it easy. I had to get it out the crawfish mud, and that's a whole nother kind oh, of mud. That's a whole a, yeah. nother kind of mud. And um, it was important when I was coming up. You know, it was battling. It was writing. It was mm-hmm. all about writing. And and I'm glad to be a part of that school. Yeah. When you were battling, did you ever get booed? Never. Did you ever get booed just doing just a regular show, like a talent show or something like that? You never been booed before? I, ne- I never been booed. Well, no, let me tell you. What, <laughs> no, let me tell you. So I booed was St. Louis. When we first started this damn tour again, man. Huh? 
Yes. And it, it, that's one of my favorite places, like, as Ooh, far as to perform. Look, what? Like, now, like, now like yeah, 2021. Well, uh, uh, maybe it was 2020, but St. yeah. Louis. Come on, Hold explain, up. explain this, so, man. This is, this is blasphemy. We get to see St. Louis. St. Louis is sold out. My people in St. Louis then bought every piece of camouflage in St. Louis. First of all, I don't know the, the particulars on how the, the runner shows go as far as the technical side, but they had the people waiting two hours. After they had been waiting two hours, they played the wrong record. What do you mean they played the wrong record? So we always come out on No Limit Soldiers. They played uh, High Boys and High Girls. Wait a minute, time out. Who, you got a DJ, right? I, well, I mean, yeah, if he got a DJ, but something happened where Hot Boys and Hot Girls came on. P was enraged, and I was trying to say, well, let's just go with it. Let's just go with it. But there was a pause where we didn't go with it, and the DJ scrambled to put the right record on. But the people started booing. Oh, damn. Then when we got out there, the music cut off at one point. So they started booing again. So that's that's how I experienced the booing. The show went on and they got into it, the, the music, because they loved the music. But initially they was frustrated. Yeah, that, that, that's a different guy. That's frustrating boo. That, that ain't, that, that right, ain't boo got, like, get your like, ass like off we stage. Got no, we got no, your, it wasn't we got some get your ass off stage. Nah, they was, no, it was booing like, y'all <laughs> yeah. should have been y'all asses here. Oh, and we oh, ready to get yeah, right into it. Y'all not getting us into it. Nah, but we owe St. Louis. We really do because um, everybody else have gotten a chance to enjoy the full experience and they didn't. So yeah, they yeah they booed. I was like, I be damned. Yeah, but that that's yeah, that, that's, that's we like, got booed. We went to that's New like York a when, diet when Coke we first started. Coke, you know what I'm saying? Like no, <laughs> we got we, we went to New York when we first started as ghetto boys and we was talking, you know, we were talking that street shit. And, and back, you know, in 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 the, in the late eighties, New York rappers was backpackers. They right. were talking about how how good they could rap, and we was talking about hoes. We was talking about dope. We was talking about beating niggas' asses. Right. Sound familiar? Yeah. And, and, like everybody talking about and, that shit and now. We was, and we was talking about we talking about that shit back then, and we got booed. But we also was talking about loyalty and and taking care of your family and things like that, yeah, and, yeah. and police brutality, Pol yeah. and, and and corrupt street shit. You know, corrupt politicians. Real, and real all of shit. Because I'm gonna yeah. tell you, people would come to my house, and ghetto boys would be blasting, and they would say like, "What your mama gonna say?" And I say, nah, she cooking. That's her playing that. Uh, that's no sellout. That's her. I'm telling you, mama, man. That, that, Ooh, that's my, you know, oh, man. That, that's She's my like mama. Huh? Yeah, a yeah. Ve very, very strong mama, activist. Man. But mama would be banging the records and my friends would think it's me and think it's so loud. Like, you're going to get in trouble. You got the whole house rocking. No, my mama is in the kitchen with the boom box. And that is her playing ghetto boys. Right. So my mom understood the message in the music, even though it was distorted sometimes by cussing yeah. and violence. I mean, those things were happening in our community. And y'all know it's by 83, the subject matter was there for us. When we looked out the window, yeah. when we stepped outside, when we went into the schools and we knew some of our friends was, you know, 
neat and clean like us, and then we saw him coming to school dirty. And you know what? And we we just never wanted to brag about the life. We our thing was always getting out, doing better, trying to better our situation, yeah. and giving information and instructions like we do on this podcast. It's always been about that, and I, and I appreciate the fact that you, your mom, and other people who, who were able to get the message saw saw the message, heard the message, and didn't get like. Uh, didn't get blinded or getting didn't get sidetracked you by the profanity or whatever. It was some serious yeah. messages. And and yeah. that was my mama's whole thing with me. Um she was like, just don't be saying stupid stuff, just be saying stupid stuff. Right. I don't mind your cussing because my grandmother cussed, you know, I come from a cussing household. But she wanted me to always make it make sense, especially to my people. Mm. And she didn't care the way I said it. She didn't care the way I said it, but it had to make sense for our people. And she wanted me to always be able to express and explain myself, you know, when, when rap was put on trial for the things that we were saying. But the, the thing about it is... When we stepped outside, that's what was going on. Before the shift in in music and the way it is now, and and when we started talking about things, before that shift, that stuff was still there. People was on the corner selling drugs. We learned about strawberries before N.W.A. said something about a strawberry. We knew people were sucking dicks for rocks and selling all this stuff. We knew that before we went into the studio. We saw that. That's what was happening in our community before rap. Most of us is older than the first hip-hop record that dropped. Mm. So it wasn't just a rap artist and a rap music. That stuff was happening. And, and, and things wasn't so sunny and so bright to just talk about. It wasn't all party music. After a while, you had to start saying, well, damn, everybody on rocks. And now people killing each other behind rocks. And now uh, turfs are being established in a name of crack. Mm. Those territories, you know what I'm mm. saying? A lot of that stuff happened before records was even dropped. Mm. And then you have the kids, you know, if your parents wasn't giving you both sides of it. So when they pick their pen up, it just sound all negative, negative, negative. But they was living in that. Mm. Now, we got a lot of kids... I don't like the ones that, you know, jump clean up out of a beautiful house with a, a beautiful situation and nobody struggling and then make this struggle music for the sense of just profiting. We was knee deep in that shit. We was knee deep in it. And um, that's what I want people to understand as far as the shift in like uh, the, the mid and late 80s when the whole tide turned. And now, you know, the music we have is just... Uh, just a lot, a lot, a lot of craziness. Whereas we did still have that balance. Because y'all got booed in New York because they was backpacking. And y'all was running what y'all was running. And then California started running what they was running. You know, and we still had the diversity, though. If you wanted to listen to a backpacker, you could. You wanted to listen to a person that was talking street music or what they say, gangster rap, you could. You wanted to listen to a person that was doing all party music, you could. Now you have to go searching on the internet to find these artists because a lot of times we're just getting that one thing pushed out. And by that one thing being pushed out, it gives rap as a whole a bad name. Mm. What do you think about 
Cardi B, Megan Thee Stallion, Nikki, these type of artists, the the women who's uh, pushing running shit, who, who, yeah, who, <laughs> they're running well, yeah, well they're, well, they're pushing the the independent running shit and also getting over on men narrative. I hear a lot of that, you know, like it's not just it's not just about like you know being independent or whatever, but a lot of it is like, you know, fuck you, pay me. Like, I mean, that's, I'm, that's I'm, the that's, game. That, that's, it is. That's you, the game, look, bro. let me tell you something. Because, no, I know that's the game, but yeah, I'm, that's, I'm asking that's what's happening right now. My first record, how does she feel My first it? record, Payback, is the reason why I will never come for a lady in her lyrics. But prior to... Uh, fuck you, pay me. It was like, fuck a bitch, don't trust no bitch, have six or seven bitches. So that's what we were listening to. So the other side of it is, well, all right, then if it's don't trust no bitches, have six or seven bitches, then when you fuck with me, pay me. That's pretty right. much what happened. But like. Uh, but how do you how do you how do you. Do you get to say, fuck you, pay me and still be considered a respectable woman? Yeah, because I mean, um, a respectable woman is in is is really in the eyes of who's who's ever about to call you respectable or not respectable. My grandmother was a uh, pussy sell when bread don't show his grits his groceries. Show his grits his groceries. Um, <laughs> I mean, so. Look, well, I wish I could have met your grandmother and your mom. I'm I'm just saying. Yeah. Where they, where with, they go right there. With the with the with the rapping, um, and and the, and the tone that music takes with the fuck you pay me, it really comes from years and years of listening to how some guys come across on the music. Cause um, yeah, let me tell you something. Payback. The guys in New Orleans, you know, when bounce music was created, it was you know, bitch, stop talking that shit. Stuck a nigga dick for an outfit. So when I came out, I was like, oops, oops, got some hair in your teeth, bitch. You graduated from tits and now you're <laughs> licking clits. But that straight came from what I was hearing from the guys. It could be. You know what? I okay. Go ahead, Fitty. Go ahead. I mean, it could be kumbaya. <laughs> and 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 look look at look at this. Uh, Megan is in a relationship. Cardi and Nikki are married women, so you know they love their kings. You know they respect their relationships. But at the same time, somebody has to be the voice when we have all these other voices chirping in the background about fuck bitches and fuck hoes and don't trust them bitches and, you know, don't love them, duck them. When you have that kind of stuff going on, there have to be another voice. It have to be that balance. But here, You know what? That's a good point. But here's the thing. Like, I what I'm what I'm what I'm experiencing here, what I'm witnessing here is a cycle because men will will say, well, the reason why we feel this way and the reason why we're saying let a hoe be a hoe is because we've been played by women, we've been you know used by women. So well, you've been so played? yeah, everybody. That's if you, why you if, wrote if let you, a hoe be a hoe. If you played the game, let, of let, love, let, that's why you wrote let a hoe be a hoe. If you played the game of love, I need to know that you've been played. Wow. Okay? So, so the gangster love himself has been played. And here's the thing, oh man, you you can't you can't even learn. You, in order to win and appreciate winning, you got to learn how to lose first. You got to lose yeah. in yeah. order to appreciate winning. 
But anyway, man, moving on, because this guy's trying to throw you <laughs> nah, off No, no, I'm not trying to throw you off, Willie. I've just been knowing you a long-ass time, bro. And I have never seen this side of you, man. You have really changed. I've changed. Well, I'm supposed to change, Brad. I, <laughs> shit, I'm, I'm older. Growing. You know, it's called growth. No, no, no. It's all good, though. I'm just saying that's, that's great, Anyway, man. me, like I was saying, you know, I think great. that go back but to, I, but to I was, the drugs, though. I think you go I, back to what happened to our community. Like, our families really were broken up and separated. And where you had strong women and men who are now addicts, they did things that was out of their character. All the while, they still was raising children. So hmm. that took a shift in our mentality. Hmm. Where we used to really, really love and depend on each other, especially in our black men and black women, it's like so much uh, distrust. We don't trust each other anymore. Where, where, where is, let me say this, and I'm going to ask you, like, where is that coming from? So I'm going to ask. So, Cardi, uh, Megan, Nikki, dope, super dope. I, I actually like all of them. Me too. And, and I have a personal uh, love for Megan because she's H-Town. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Megan so, so, you know, that, that's our girl. So, yeah. And her uh, daddy and her so, mama was gangsters. So, yeah. For real. So, so I just want, yeah, her yeah. Mama, a beautiful person. Yeah. But I, I just want to, I, I, the question is, is a valid question, Solid. I do believe, because, uh, I is. mean, they, they are they are the women who are who are carrying the torch right now. They're out in the front. And that's a, that's a, that's a legitimate question, uh, I, I do believe, because we're, 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 we are faced with these we are faced with this 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 thing where that battle to to your point we we got this the men over here the women over here and and everybody's pointing fingers at each other yeah. and at the same time we're still trying to raise babies we're still figuring out a way to I still I'm attracted to you. I still I want to have sex with you. I want to love you. I want to have family. I want to have baby. But I hate your ass at the same time. Like, how do we? How do we get out of that mode that we're in? Right? Because right now it is a lot of bickering going back and forth. The men blaming the women. The women are blaming the men. And I'm sitting back like these motherfuckers have created the perfect storm. What's happening right here? Right, right now, it is the perfect storm. We can. We can win a lot of battles. One battle we cannot win is we cannot win the battle of the sexes. We cannot we cannot win a fight against each other. That's true. Black men and black women can that is a losing battle. Yeah. Nobody's gonna win that fight. So you can get into your feelings all you want. But if you really care about your people and you really care about your survival, then it is incumbent upon you to figure that shit out and get out of your feelings and and, and do what's best for yourself and for your family and for your people. Because the trajectory that we're on right now, we're not going to make it. Uh. We can live. We can win a lot of fights. We can. We some fighting motherfuckers. We Mm -hmm. can survive everything that's ever been thrown our way uh, and we're going to survive other shit they're going to be throwing our way. Uh, then there's somewhere plotting right now to throw us off again and fuck us up, right? <laughs> and we're going to survive that bullshit too, too when we figure yeah. it out. Yeah. But, but we can't survive 
us oh, versus us. Us we can't. versus us. But, True but that. You know, you know what I always think about, though? I always think about the us versus us. You know, that, that really happened centuries before we okay. got here. I always think about if I had my master's baby... I'm pushed this white baby out, but my husband got to be right here. Mm. Even though my hands was tied and so was his, we still don't like each other because of what just happened. Mm. He couldn't help me because I was violated, and I couldn't help him because that's his massa. So I think centuries ago, we started looking at each other differently. And... I think when we started to get on track, like after slavery, and, and cities were established by us and our businesses, we were on point. And then the city started getting bombed and then lynching our men, lynching our women. I'm a woman, and y'all barge in my house and take my son and my husband can't do nothing. I'm mad with him. Uh. I'm mad with him. You know, God. rape my daughter and you can't do nothing. I'm mad with you. Can't do nothing. I won't do nothing. Well. Hands tied. I'm going to say hands tied because, you know, if, if the lynch mob is there with all of the guns and the torches and we don't have anything but the things that we're building in our home, his hands was tied. So physically, emotionally and mentally, that division uh. That was a long time ago, and we are still fighting to escape that initial division. That trickle-down right. theory, And, man. like, now we don't even think about that kind of stuff. We just think about, what, like, rap, you know, fuck you, nigga, pay me. Fuck these hoes, be with other hoes. We think it's that, but it's stuff so deep in us. And the young people don't even know it. You know? Yeah, well, I, I know it's not hip-hop. I mean, I'm not stupid. You no, know? I, like, I know it's not. Yeah. It's, it's, I, it's deeper yeah. than hip-hop. But right. what I'm saying is, just uh, psychologically, I don't think it's clicking with men and women that um, we have this trauma. Uh -huh. We have this trauma that's been passed on to us. From generations, generation generation, where we yeah. don't trust each other, yeah. we don't know if you really gonna look out for me. We don't really trust each other. Word, I mean, you say you gonna bring the pampers in, but I don't think you gonna bring. We start feeling like that immediately, and and we might not know all day. He trying to make sure he get the pampers for the month. We we don't even know, but you know those walls and that anger, That's that suspicion. Good point. Yeah. Good point. I just feel like it have a lot to do with. That more than the stuff we think is the right now, you know, when you first meet a woman, might like this woman. She might be everything aesthetically you want and she they talk the talk you like. But in the back of your mind, you still saying, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. See what this motherfucker really going to do. Like we come in with each other. I don't mm -hmm. think other races come in with that suspicion. Mm. But see, that was a plot and part of a plan that was done to us a long time ago. The, the true part about it, Mia, is that that plan, that plot is still in motion. Oh, yeah. And they're constantly doing certain things, little sneaky-ass conniving things to further divide us. Yes. And it's like we keep walking right into 
the trap. Because we got we got the spirituality and the common sense tortured out of us a long time ago. Um, like I said, we're dealing with trauma. But see, here's the thing. Like for me, I I I I believe everybody's just really, really just super into their feelings and, and nobody's really thinking critically. Because for me, there is nothing you can do. There is no woman made of woman who can turn me against women. Right. Not black women specifically. I feel like that about black that, men. There ain't a woman. It, it don't matter. Like, like I'm not never gonna get that that into my feelings. I'm not like like some of these dudes, it's a dude right now listening to me right now. He about to cry. You know, and he, you know, he got hoe in him, you know? Like he really got hoe in him. Like he a very emotionally type emotional type dude, you know. He the dude that say, I love my mom, I love my kid, I love my daughter, but I hate women. You know, uh, this shit don't even make sense to me. Like, how can you, as a man, hate that which you come from? How can you hate women and have a daughter or a mother and say you love them, but you hate black women? How can you, as a black woman, say I hate black men, but you love your black son? You ain't even qualified to raise him because uh, you hate what that which he is be, yeah. to become. You're not qualified to raise them. You can't give something that you ain't got. The, all these people that's online, that's, that, that's crying and, and complaining all the damn time about black people, and I'm talking about black people specifically. That's just self-hate, bro. That's self-hate, that, that's really. That's self-hate. Get out your feelings, and if you cannot get out your feelings, get out of the way. Take your ass somewhere on another planet and go set up shop, and all you motherfuckers get out the way. Cause we For got real, some bro. black, we got some black people out here that still love that blackness, you know. Like I ain't like this shit right here. You see this motherfucking skin? This Boy, some cool shit right it's here. Mean, man. This shit it's right mean. here, man. This shit is cold blooded. And we we in Why our fifties, well into our fifties. Right. Right. What the fuck would That's I? Right. Damn. What the fuck I'm gonna be, man? man why I'm be, man? Come on, man. It has a lot to do with programming this and conditioning, looks, though. Man, look at that goddamn bronze. That shit look good. I know. It's, yeah, but I'm, but the programming and the conditioning—they can't, can't get me with that. That's what I'm saying. They can't get me with that shit. Like, I just feel like if you hate yourself, go on die. Because mm. ain't nothing you can give to the world. There's nothing you can do. You can't do shit for nobody mm. unless you do something for yourself first. So you may think you're being smart and you slick and you above everybody else. You're more intelligent than others no, because you have come to the conclusion yeah. that you don't like nobody that look like you. <laughs> you don't like them because they, uh, you know, you may think you're smart, but you're really one of the dumbest motherfuckers right. in the world. right. Because self-hate is the worst hate. But see, boy, I think, boy, I think our people are the only ones that programming and conditioning is, uh, is, is like centered on. Because you, we have a lot of friends. We in hip-hop, and not everybody loves hip-hop. Everybody. Other folks are not conditioned to feel like they women is bitches or hoes. Mm. Or that they men or nobodies and bombs, mm. you know, dead beats. Mm. Those words are not even used in 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 you know with other people. It's a direct target. And unfortunately mm -hmm. we do fall for it because it's programmed constantly 
constantly to make you feel like if your mama not married, then she must have been a hoe, you Mm. know, or if your daddy didn't pay child support, he just dropped something off. He's a deadbeat, Mm. you know, we've been targeted. And then once we were targeted, our people are constantly programmed. So you have a young lady who don't have kids yet, get all her education, move with the system. She may turn her nose down at a brother that's not educated and automatically assume that he's a bum because these this is how we being conditioned. Mm-hmm. They don't do that to nobody else. Now, what my mom raised me to believe that because so much of this was being done to us, that let me know how great we were. Exactly. You got to keep man, talking man, to these God, people. Boy, boy, I hate I miss you, mom. You got to keep talking to these people. You got to keep trying to uh, infest them with drugs, diseases, and the mm-hmm. wrong programming. Yeah. You know, like, we were the only people in the world that was rewired in every sense of the way. How we think, how we eat, how we love, how we commune. We the only people in the world that that was done to. Mm-hmm. And I want to go on record right now. And tell some of you, oh, dirty motherfuckers out there that's listening to this show right now <laughs> that like to say shit like, well, 13% of the population is responsible for 80% of the murders. Or they are responsible for 70% locked up and all this stupid shit. Let me tell y'all something. Let me explain something to your dumb ass. Dumb ass? No group of people in the history of civilization has ever been able to reach their full potential when they've been targeted by their own government Mm, for mm, failure. mm. The government makes the laws, the government enforces the laws. I I triple dare any motherfucking race out there on this planet to try that shit in any country where you're being targeted by your own government. Your ass wouldn't come nowhere close to what we've been able to accomplish with all of these attacks on us year after year, decade after decade, century after century. You couldn't do it. You fucking jump off a a fucking building. You couldn't do it. We're under constant attack, so it's not just... It was law. It, it was yeah, the law. You can, yeah, it's you not can just kill this nigga, you can hang this nigga, you can have him, you can buy him, you can sell him, you can rape his grandma, you can use his babies for alligator bait. Yeah. The, the, the United States federal government said that was cool. Go ahead. Right. We're not mad at you. Right. And then, you know, like, you rise up from the ashes, and what do they do? They try to try to get out they recognize our greatness because what they do they'll they'll try to go and find our our best get our greatest and then try to use them against us get them to come over here and work for them hey they, they don't don't go over there don't don't work them don't help them either that or they'll try to build somebody just they'll, they'll try to build one of theirs like us happens all the time but it's man I we love us. this I love this uh, singer Let's get the great white hope to be, you know, great whatever. Like, it's cold-blooded, man. I see this shit all the time. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, 
a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, everyone. I am so excited. The Black Effect is live. This April 27th, the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival is headed to Atlanta's very own Pullman Yards. Last year was incredible, and this year will be even more thrilling, especially with Nissan coming back along for the ride. Nissan is returning with some empowering activations to support Black excellence in the STEAM fields. Have a podcast idea you've been eager to share with the culture? Well, Nissan is back with a Pitch Your Podcast Lounge. You'll have the chance to record your podcast idea and have it shared with a Black Effect podcast network team. But that's not all. Nissan is taking the stage to spotlight some of the HBCU scholars from their own Thrill of Possibility Summit, Nissan's action-packed weekend of community building, mentorship, and professional development for HBCU scholars pursuing professions in STEAM. The Black Effect Podcast Festival is the event to be at. You won't want to miss this because no matter where life takes you, Nissan will dial up the thrill of your adventures. Visit blackeffect.com forward slash podcast festival for more details. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I just think with, with, with men and women, though, you know, the, the, the family was definitely targeted. Um, and, and we were programmed to look at us in a negative light. We were programmed to look at us in a negative light. So even when you're trying, there's all these little things that make those glitches. And like I said, it, it starts that even division. If, even when you're trying, bro. Think about what she's saying. Yeah, like, I know. think about even when you like the average person get up and try to go out and be productive in the world, right? Try to make something out of themselves. Sure. And in most cases, the average person there's for the average person is there's no interference being ran. The average black person get up, go out, try to make something, especially black men. And what do you have? Police fucking with you. All right, mm. they riding on you. They trying to fuck with you. Go out and do. Try to get your job or whatever, whatever. They won't hire you. So, and, and this is the thing. Like for us, we need to get used to being entrepreneurs. Fuck trying to go and get an education f- to work for them. Get that shit. Learn that shit so you can work for yourself. They won't hire you no way, and, and and so that you can and, and and so that you can give your, your your children can come work for you instead of trying to go out and work for them. You did what I'm saying. We got to get used to that because hey, 
they got the shit stacked up against us, and that's the way it's going to be. And, and the shit gonna, ain't, it's always. not going to change. And the funny shit, here's the funny shit. They gorilla pimp they were here. here. Exactly. Stole all this shit and then created wealth by selling what they stole. Uh, I want to I ask you a question. So the Willie Lynch theory, the letter, you read that, Willie? Mm-hmm. You read that, Mia? Mm-hmm. How was, really, was Willie Lynch really a person or did somebody just bring this shit out of the thin air? Well, they say that's his, that was the actual name. The, that was Will, his name, and that, and that was his letter? Yeah, he... How to, how to Make a Slave? Yeah. And that shit, at that instruction manual that he installed back in the 1700s still applies to right now. You know what I mean? You you, you turn the, 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 the man against the woman, the, 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 the child against the parent, you know, it, the bright guy against the dark man. skin. You know, like it, it's still look, in effect right now. Look at the wickedness, man. Look what Boy. what what type of country, what type of government would this one? Look, what what type of government would would t- would, would purposely make sure that the men of a specific group could not be employed, and then go to his woman and say, "As long as he not, we'll here. give you." some money, but you can't have him in the house at, at all. all. You got to kick him out of the and house. And you can't work. Ma'am, and you can't ma'am, work. you can't work and either because we're going to cut so, you off. We're going to put you out so, your house. So what was that about? See, and people think you can just turn that shit off. You, th- this is conditioning. This is generations. Yeah. And this shit is passed down just like any other type of conditioning can be passed down. It can be good, bad, or indifferent, but it's passed down. So it just... Trust me out how you have people that try to ignore these type of facts. Mm. Act like this shit don't matter. Well, nah, I mean, man. think Pull about yourself up the, by your bootstrap. Your, your government goes in and tell a woman, look, kick him out of the house and we'll give you some money to take care of you and the kids. But you can't work. And he we better not catch him over here. So, and guess what? He gotta be. Not only does he have to be out of the house, we better not catch him. When we roll up, he better not be here. Mm. So now, what's in the guy's head? You know, I can't mess that up for her and kids. They won't give me a job. I can't mess that up for them. And I'm scared to go over there because they might show up. Yeah. The movie Claudine, you remember that? Hide the toaster, hide the TV. I when know the welfare was, people I, I, came. I, 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 I remember it. <laughs> I remember that movie vaguely, but I, I remember it was an old school movie. I think seventies. Uh, right, but but, but uh, it was yeah. when the welfare. They thought the welfare lady was yeah. coming, and it was yeah. a, a, a woman and a man, children who loved each other. Yeah, welfare people were coming, um, and and so the things that they were able to save and buy, like a TV and toaster, ironing board, things that you wasn't supposed to have, living under the assistance because. Wasn't supposed to have this money, so when the welfare lady came, they were running, scrambling, trying to hide what I guess the the system would consider as as a luxury. But it was an ironing board, TV, mm-hmm. you know. I, that stuck out with, with me in that movie. I was a little kid, but it it, it always just like wow, they have to hide their TV, they have to hide their toaster, you know. Um, but I think now we put so much focus on, well, you know what? It's the music. You know what else? It's because they don't want to uh, 
They don't want to pull their pants up. You know, we, we, we put a lot of blame on those things without stepping back and saying, hey, y'all, we've been living with some trauma for centuries and we birthed babies and we birthed them into the trauma. You know, we birthed them into the trauma. And um, I think with a lot of artists, with our music, we don't hate each other at all. And it's almost like what we call jonesing, ribbing on these records that we've done in hip-hop so long. But one of the problems I have is a lot of other artists with different topics are not being pushed in the front. When we first started doing it, we saw a lot of artists being pushed to the front, a lot of talented artists, a lot of diversity. We don't see the diversity as much. Like I said, you have to go searching, you know, for this artist for lyrics and, you know, this artist if you want to feel a party vibe. We have to go searching for that. When, when there was Public Enemy, mm-hmm. when there was Ghetto Boys, you know, and there was Young MC also. We don't see hip-hop like that anymore, where there was a variety of whatever you liked as far as, you know, your music or your lyrical content. Now, the stuff that's really being pushed out is a lot of the stuff that seems like it's just fuck niggas and fuck bitches and kill niggas and kill bitches. We used to have a lot of variety. It was... It was um promoted. The variety isn't promoted. It's not that it's not there. It's just not promoted. So for the average person that's just going here to click there, all they're seeing is that one track thing. When they still have a lot of dope artists that's doing a lot of music, but it seems like it's not part of whatever agenda to keep us uh, like stifled or to stunt the growth of the people. We seeing a whole lot of one thing. But, mm. but these artists, I know they, you know, these women love the men. These men love the women. But we being overly saturated with one thing, you know, one thing. So violence. how do you propose we get back to the diversity? I think, um, you know, artists like us that people listen to, when we find an artist that's talking something real, we need to share these artists. Mm. We need to share them, you know, on our platforms. Hey, y'all, this is who I've been listening to. I like two girls. Um, Well, I like a lot of girls at home. They got some dope girls at home. But 3 d Not t and Bricky yeah. for President. Oh, I don't know... The- Bricky for president. I don't know Bricky, but I, that yeah, 3D. 3D, yes. 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 <laughs> so I share her, and then my other friends share her, and she is doing really, really well because she has a solid base. But we have to start sharing the artists that we like, you yeah. know, just so that it can circulate more because the people that's really controlling, like, Everything we see as a majority are pushing out a lot of the stuff that's making rap music look like it's just this one thing. It's just this sex. It's just this violence. It's just this foolishness um, when that's not the case. And then we have to also, with the brothers and sisters that's making the, re- the music that we made about sex and about violence, we have to step back and really pay attention to everything that they're saying. Because some of them, they come from these environments. The ones that don't, like I said, I don't, I don't really respect that. Um, I don't really respect you making 
all these records about killing people and selling dope and using dope, and you never did and never will do none of that. You know, I, I don't... You got to talk what see, you know. See, see, I, but I, I don't have a problem with, with them. I don't, have, I don't have a problem with somebody from the suburbs who has a great imagination for so-called gangster rap or reality rap or anything. My problem is acting like it's real for real outside of the record and not providing instructions, information and instructions, because you can talk about having that chop in the trunk, but you need to tell these youngsters what's going to happen if you get caught with that motherfucking chop yeah. in the trunk. See? Mm-hmm. And that is the difference. Oh, you use that chop bragging, in your life. And, 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 and see, that's what I'm talking it. about. And educating. Mm-hmm. Using, it's, it's using, using, it, using it to educate and uplift. It's the bragging, and then and then you're bragging, and it becomes popular, and then the kids that are living it, they take to that because they living it. Yeah. Because somebody's bragging. Yeah, they, yeah. They I ain't never had a problem with yeah. the real music, the gangster music, because I'm a part of that. Mm. But it's just when you are pushing this out. To some of the young people, when that's all they living and all they know, they going to embody it. And then you go back hiding, ducked off somewhere, tucked off, don't want no parts of it. Not telling them, if you get caught with this chopper, you work more to them in prison. Let's keep it all the way real. You work more to them in prison. So if you toting this chopper around just to say you got a chopper, just know you work more to them in prison. Toting the chopper because you're toting the chopper is totally different than toting the chopper because I'm really into something, you know? And and that's that's where the, the problem is for me because we have a lot of young people that's really living that. And they living it not because they chose to. We have a lot of people in our neighborhood that was born into things. They didn't choose it. They came home to addicts, you know? They came home to untreated mental illness, we have a lot of kids that's growing up like that. And so when they hear somebody that's saying something that they could relate to, they kind of cling to it. That's what I did when I heard a lot of artists. For us, it was mainly soul and R&B artists because we didn't have many rap artists to look up to because mm-hmm. we part of a generation that was in the beginning stages, you know, like second generation hip hop. Uh, coming up right under Cool Hurt and them. So mm-hmm. we we was listening to R&B records. I remember I used to listen to country music because it reminded me of hip-hop because of how raw the words was, even down to the violence uh, yes. in it. I still listen to country music. Yes, indeed. Like, that's, yeah, that's you know, but even, even down to the violence in it, we were able to pull what we could relate to Based on what we heard. What about holding these damn record labels and, and, and Apple Music and, you know, these streaming platforms responsible? Because I'm going to tell you this. If the artists can't make a buck off of it, they're not going to do it. If they can't sell the records and also the Facebooks, the Instagrams, the YouTubes that play the music. If they can't get that music on stream because it costs money to make music. If they can't get it, on those streaming platforms, they're not going to rap it. They're not going to talk about it. So 
The artists are the low-hanging fruit. A lot of times we like to focus on the artists. Oh, man, these artists, this, the artists, this. man, these rappers, these rappers, these rappers, these rappers. I, I have yet to hear anybody bring to heal these streaming platforms, these networks, you know, these even some of these uh, big uh, movie studios. And stuff. I, I have yet to hear them talk about these these people who really got the juice. They could shut it down like this. So my thing is like, if you if you're serious, you know, where where is your concern? You know, for holding these other people accountable, the people who got the money, the bread, the ones who are really in power. See, I think they have the uh, power to introduce it to us, but then ultimately, the cons- the consumer is who click the downloads. The consumer is the one. You're right, and I, and I say that all the time. At the end of the day, the consumer is the one who clicks. Gonna the put downloads. the numbers up. But at the end of the day. Certain shit you can't consume if you say something by certain kinds of people. Yeah, now that now. So if I, you if it, so if we so re, if we really 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 want to go there and we really want to hold people accountable and you really want to like focus on the cause and you know or who's responsible, who can put an end to this type of shit? Then the energy should be more focused on the people who got the power to put it out. That's why. When folks have a problem with certain things that an individual might say on a network or a guy that's a movie star, whatever, they go after the brand. They go after the sponsorship, the advertisers. They shut them down. I don't see that movement for shutting them down when the N-word is used. I don't see that movement shut them down when they, when you're smoking on Tukey or smoking on this person or that person. Mm-hmm. Where's that same energy? Like, like at some point, you know, we, we got to be responsible for holding the right people accountable instead of just picking the low hanging fruit. The rappers are the low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. They just trying to make a buck just like anybody else just trying to make a buck. Not saying that it's right. But I'm saying if you give a a kid out the hood a shot and all he got to do is talk about his experience or talk about smoking somebody, that's a wrap. That's going to happen. But it won't happen if this such and such company over here said, uh, Apple said, no, we don't play that. You can't get spins over here. You can't get sales over here. They'll never do do that, though. You know why? Because them motherfuckers don't like us. That's where it come down. But but check this out. I think it ain't even about them not liking us because most people don't like themselves. I think it have a lot to do with the money. You know, at the end of the day, I feel that... Uh, Mia, you don't think it's money in, in talking about saying bad things about Israel or Jews or, it, it probably, or, or homosexuals. Listen, you don't think it's some money in that? If some, it's, I if think it's some money. To, if, somebody had to, if somebody could get away with saying what they really feel, mm. you don't think it's some money in that? It's a lame it is person. some money in that, but like you have to understand that a lot of people that's controlling this, they may say, hey, no, you, I'm, I'm Jewish. You're not going to talk about me. I'm gay. You're not going to talk about me. And I'm the boss over here. So, see, you pay the cost to be the boss. See, I got the right to say what I'm going to let y'all push out and what I'm not going to let y'all push out because I'm the boss. What we have to do 
It's our responsibility, especially to the young people, since we've been so damaged. We have to break it down. Look, look, y'all. You might have really did kill such and such. And now you want to make a record. All your friends might have did it. And everybody that's from y'all hood might support this record. And now the beat is catchy. So all these people are supporting the record. But we have to understand, hey, y'all, we're doing more damage because ultimately they want to put us in jail. That's where the new, the, the prisons is the new slave ship. That's the slave ship. That's the home. And, 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 and ultimately... We want to get as many of y'all as we can working on cents of the dollars for us to keep building it since slavery's over. But I'm in a position to tell you because I got the money, you can't talk about me. You can't talk about me because I'm Jewish. You can't talk about me because I'm gay. You can't talk about me for whatever reason because I'm the boss. The bosses get the, they get the option to make the decision. If, if the boss ain't a nigga, if the boss don't have parents that's addicts, if the boss is not from the hood, they don't even relate to that. All they relate to is the dollars that is generating. So we got to... So you shut down the dollar and yeah. then the boss got to holler. The thing is this here. When the people say <laughs> I ain't streaming, when the people say I ain't downloading, that's when the boss gonna tuck his tail because the motivation from the boss is the green. Streaming. So when the boss see, wait, nobody's streaming this? Wait, nobody's downloading? Wait, nobody's literally coming up uh, with their credit cards and their dollars actually purchasing things? That's when they start to get worried. Don't nothing worry them people but being in the red. They, they, you know what? That's I the think, only thing bother them. They, they took the mom and pop stores out of the communities, and that really crippled independent labels, in it my did. opinion. No, it, it most it, definitely yeah. did. If, yeah. if 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 you got uh, uh, an, an artist that's normally doing you know gold platinum albums, man, when, when like we just now kind of getting into uh, uh, streaming and downloading, but think about this: streaming, they paying us less than an eighth of a cent to stream to hear our music, right? But think about it, you say, oh man, they ain't making no money like that. They making a ton of money like that. You know why? Because if you got 20 million people that subscribe into whatever Spotify, Apple title or whatever per year and they making 20 bucks a month, that's more money than they sell in a million records on this artist. So they really fucking us. But, and, it's, and, and think about like you said, the mom and pop stores, because we still have uh, one left in New Orleans that opened in 73. I don't think we have one here. We have, Do we have one, Willie? One record one. store? I don't know. I'm not sure. We have I'm one that, that opened in 73, but you could remember when you would bring your CDs and you would do consignment. We, yep. we were seeing we the $10. We were seeing the $5. And now you're saying an eighth of, the, of a cent. We used to have... So much control when we had independent labels moving things the old school way, but that had to be shut down too. And every time we get our foot in the door, there are going to be some obstacles because the plan started centuries ago. Yeah. And we have to understand that. We always have to go back to the initial plan. But, you know, 
I don't have like we people say, well, shut the music down. Listen, a lot of these things are going on. They're going to talk about it. They're going to make the music about it. The individuals have to say what we're going to buy and what we're not going to buy. It's some rap that's full of cussing and full of violence. And I hear it and I understand where they're coming with from and I fool with it. It's some rap that sounds stupid to me. I ain't fooling with it. I'm not, I'm so, not going to so, fool with it. So it circles all the way back around to the consumer. Yeah. The consumer. So when y'all say an artist is whack, what you're really saying is you're whack because you're buying it. I mean, you, you're buying it. It comes down to the consumer. But how does that, how, do, how does that artist even get on the platform, though? Well, because, okay, let's say they are... Um, they are with a, a powerful label or have some powerful backing. Those promotional dollars are going to push the artists yeah. where they're going to be seen. She the Bang Bang Records. But it still come down to when you hear it, do you want to fool with it? Consumers, do you want to fool with it? Do you want to eat this brand of chicken or that brand of chicken? The consumer always speak on it. This type of cold drink, or like people cold say, drink. soda, <laughs> soda, what cold drink? This type or this type? The consumer always make that decision. Well, I'm, I, I like, you know, I want that. I don't want that. I want that. I want. We we make that decision. We make that decision all the way down to our shoes. I want this kind of shoes. No, I want that kind of shoes. Yeah, but, but you know what? I re, like getting into the music industry back in the game. If you didn't have talent, you didn't. Right. You didn't. They didn't even let you in the building. Yeah, Nikki really spoke on that. I, I saw a clip. Yeah, and, and, and yeah that, I saw that too. Yeah, that I'm not gonna lie, that was real. Yeah, and and we um, dropped them from the label, right? They yeah, about they dropped them from the label. It was a dope ass artist. Yeah. So the the, the thing is, it still comes back to. Who we like and who we rock, because it's our dollars. I tell a lot of people every day, uh, everybody depends on the consumer. From the government to the man in the mirror, everybody can, you know, we depend on the consumer. Hmm. And, and consumers go through different phases. We might be on a conscious phase, might be on a party phase, might be on a gangster phase. And we put our support a lot of times in the phase, the moment, the trend, the fad. Mm. We do that. But that's on us. Because if you don't want to hear such and such, don't listen to it. If, if, if your whole family don't want to hear it, that's a whole family that didn't decide it. But if you do, that's a whole family that did we have this choice when it comes to what we listening to, what we eating. We have this choice. A lot of times I don't even know who's out and who's really popping because my choice is old school. So in my house, the music is the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, but that's my choice. Now, if I get in the car with my kids and they playing something out, well, who's that? I might like it. So then I'm going to go and I'm going to Google that artist and see what's happening with them. And now I, I'm a new fan. But when it's something that I don't like, I don't like that. Cut that off. Can you put on some better right? Because 
I want to hear Betty Wright. You know, we have that control, but we like to play the blame game, which is let's pick on these rappers because they the ones that got all of this music out when really and truly, if you don't want to hear it, you start putting your babies in a car and you start playing what you want them to hear. So a lot of little babies know Stevie Wonder. They know everybody because that's who their parents is pumping. Now, when they become teenagers, they're going to pick the music they like, just like us. Look what we grew up on. But by the time our rappers delight hit... The Treacherous Three hit, we was hooked. Mm-hmm. We wanted to hear something else, even though we were still going back to the roots that we came up on, our soul, Excellent. our gospel, yeah. our blues. But you you put them babies in the car and you introduce them babies to what you love. They're going to end up liking what they like anyway, but they're going to always come back. And that's why we use so much great music. We sampled so much great music in our careers because of what we grew up listening to. People don't do that anymore. They just let whatever playing just play. And so the babies, I mean, if I'm two... I'm going to be smoking on whatever, too. If I'm in the room and I'm we riding in the car and babies hear beats and cadence and they pick up and they start mumbling. But that same stuff could be applied to them with different types of music. You know, we our parents didn't really totally understand hip hop when we fell in love with it. But once more of it came out. You know, like my, my mom, she loved uh, Grandmaster Fa- Flash and the Furious Five. She loved them. Different music came out. People would be shocked. My mama was a hard N.W.A. fan, a hard Ghetto Boys fan, a hard Public Enemy fan. But at the same time, she listened to Tremaine Hawkins and the Hawkins Singers. She listened to Patti LaBelle, the group LaBelle. It was a lot of diversity. And so for me, I was always able to approach music based on my love for it. And I didn't really ridicule ridicule a lot of it except for like I'm saying you come from here and you are not a lot of the music it's not even creative it's just everybody rapping by the chopper so let me get up out of my mama three four hundred thousand dollar house and rap about a chopper too when the first kid that's rapping about a chopper might really had to carry one and then that's a problem too like okay man we didn't got to the point now where we really just then launch the all-out wall on ourselves and our different hoods and in our communities. Somebody got to tell them, it's cool to rap about that, but do you know that in front of your mama lawn, the sidewalk and where your mama mailbox is, she don't own that. And so a lot of these sidewalks that y'all getting stretched out on, that's not your turf. That's the state turf. This ain't your set. This middle of the street where you dine at, I don't care if your mama own the house, that ain't her land. Where your mailbox sit, that ain't her land. And we getting stretched out. It's not really our turfs. We shouldn't be killing each other about a turf in our moans renting them houses. Mm. That's not your turf. It's not. They paying rent. That's the kind of stuff we have to start telling them. You know, I mean, you can still listen to anything you want, but just understand you work more in prison than you are with a nine to five or your own business. You work more to them in prison. Do you want to carry your ass in, to prison? Then gone. But you need to know this here. 
They're going to take all your rights from you. So right now, if you don't listen to your mama, if you don't want to wash the dishes or make your bed when she said it, you ain't got no choice in jail. But if, thank God, thank God that the consumers listen to Mia X because we would not be sitting here with this treasure, not just a hip-hop treasure, but a world treasure. I mean, I, we really do appreciate you, and you do brighten people's days when you go into that Instagram. If you, what's your Instagram off top? The Mama Mia X. The Mama Mia X. You know, I, I'm I'm following, and I and I do appreciate you when you post on mine. You know, on, on my, hey y'all. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we, 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 we love you, Mia, for real. You know, I love you, y'all too. You, you, you got that spirit, man. You know that that brightens the room, and you uplift people with your voice and your attitude. So we really do appreciate you, and everything that you brought to the game, you ought to be respected and reckoned with. Oh, thank you so much. All thank right, y'all, so ladies and gentlemen, Mia X. <laughs> Super dope. All right, babies. <laughs> This episode was produced by A-King and brought to you by the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrantz, Palpocyclib. Ibrantz 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR-positive HER2-negative MBC as the first hormonal-based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrantz and visit Ibrantz.com. Ibrantz may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrantz may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrantz, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. 